Hey everybody, it's another episode of Freelance Pretend. Just a little bit of a preamble for this week. A couple things. First, I wanted to plug my show Thunder Punch, which is Thursday, June 2nd. If you're listening to this on the day it comes out, it's tomorrow. Thursday, June 2nd at 8 p.m. It's a comedy variety show called Thunder Punch that I started in East Hollywood. We talk about where exactly East Hollywood is on this episode. Uh, last week, we talked about Missy uh, playing music at this month's Thunder Punch. But uh, as you'll see, because of scheduling, she's going to be out of town incoming at the time that the show starts, so she won't be there. But you should come anyway. Go to thunderpunch.fun for tickets. Um, second, I wanted to say that we recorded this kind of quickly and remote because Missy had to sort of suddenly leave town. So a couple things. One is uh, I didn't record this in a way where we had separate audio tracks. So uh, I wasn't, it's, uh, uh, I I haven't, uh, I'm not that good at recording through Zoom is my uh, point. And so the levels are, I had to futz with a little bit to make sure that they're okay. I think it sounds okay. Just want to let you know that this is not my best audio work let's say and also because of the rush my husband eric did not edit this episode so if there's if you have issues with the editing it's because of me uh and what else um also uh by the way eric's choreographing a show at hollywood fringe called teaching a robot to love uh you should go see it it premieres this sunday it's got five performances i believe throughout the hollywood fringe go check that out anyway that's all the preamble uh i think this is a really fun chill uh, laid back episode with the Pacific Ocean vibes. Uh, enjoy. The life of the actor, it never ends. That's why you listen to Freelance Pretend with Missy Pyle and Chris Grace and friends. So, you have white cheddar, smart food, popcorn behind you. I've been eating that. I have a Waterloo. What's a Waterloo? Uh, it's a black cherry. It's like a bubbly or a spin drift. Yeah, but it's a little, it's, it's first of all, I mean, look at those graphics. True. And second of all, uh, it's a little cheaper than a bubbly. There's well, about, I, mean, I don't know, six cents a can, maybe seven. Nice. We got to tighten the belt everywhere we can. We just don't know where, where the next meal is coming from. I mean considering we have no steady income <laughs> what's steady income i mean what's the steadiest income you've ever had when you yes yeah, nothing <laughs> when you were in boeing boeing i guess you had a oh yeah oh well if i do a job yeah uh i mean that lasts yeah. for a while yeah but that was three months yeah oh well so uh, the the answer to that is never. I mean, I worked at Shoney's when I was in. <laughs> in I high worked school. at. Wait, where did we work in Winston Salem? TK Trips. Oh, sh- uh, did you work at Nobles? No, I did not work at Nobles. I worked uh, work study in the IT department. Um, you were in IT, and of course you were. I feel like r- that's racist. a really racist thing. One hundred percent. <clears throat> also racist for you to say it now it's racist in Listen, both time periods. it was racist for you to do it and it's racist for me to talk about it so i guess we're both racists you worked at nobles which is a nice restaurant which um, was the nicest restaurant in winston-salem the only time i ever went there was i think when we graduated i went there to know didn't i take you there once yeah i think we went on your like discount <laughs> and maybe you and me and like patrick yeah i think near near when we graduated we went there and i yeah. think you had you had a discount that you got us in with remember patrick what happened to him patrick mcbride i was just thinking about the other day because i was looking at a motorcycle i was thinking the only time i've ever ridden on a motorcycle was with patrick mcbride you want a cool rider a cool i barely i don't have much left if it's cool enough it will burn you <laughs> through and through whoa if it takes forever <laughs> And it forever. Uh, so you are in Hawaii. I'm in Hawaii because I'm doing you- um, an episode of Doogie Kama Aloha. Oh, cool! Which is yeah, like um, an updated version of Doogie Howser, and she's like a half Hawaiian. I think I auditioned for teenager. that. I, you know what's now? Now I love auditioning for things. I mean. Not because I booked the jobs, but because I know about all these shows when they finally come out. 
Yeah. Uh, like I want to recommend a show, highly recommend okay. a new show. Okay. It's called I Love That For You with Vanessa uh-huh. Bayer. Um, it's really good. And she I'm pretty sure that. I auditioned for it at some point. It's so good. He's from Saturday Night Live, right? Yes, she is. It's <sighs> terrific show. It's really, it's so good. I think it's just, it's just. See, it's I have a hard time watching shows that I auditioned for. Yeah. Because it's, it makes me depressed. <laughs> My dream has always to be, has, has always been to be on Saturday Night Live. Oh. But I've never auditioned for it. I, Some, yeah, I think, don't, don't you think at a certain point you're like too well-known to be on it? Um, well, there was a moment when I was like 40, when my agent was like, I think you should do it now. Now I think you should do it Oh, because I think my career had kind of lulled, which it's still, you know, lulled. Lulled. <laughs> you, by, like, by, by lulled, you mean LOL. <laughs> LOL. <laughs> Seriously. But she was like. It's just the world is so different now. And so I went back and I started doing Groundlings again. Oh, that's right. Uh-huh. And I was going to audition for it. And then I did did a one-person show and it never ended up happening. I mean, you could have taken the material from the classic sketch show, Bitch is Funny, <laughs> a Los Angeles uh, sketch show that I came and saw. Oh, tell me more about that show. Did you know anyone who was in it? You were in it. Was, oh, me? Was, was Erica Bradshaw in it, maybe? Mm-hmm. And who was Mel Salvatore? I was going to say Melanie was involved with it. Um, what theater was that at? We did. I mean, I think we rented theaters. I don't okay. think we ever were like. So maybe we rented the Hudson Theater on Melrose. We did it at a few different theaters. A few. We did a few different shows. Maybe three mm. or four shows. We took it to the New York Fringe Festival. Oh. And did it there. I think Erica Brecht is still acting. She is still acting. I think she's acting in like up somewhere in the Northwest. People are doing more legit things than we are. <laughs> are you kidding me? Does anybody have a acting podcast that's listened to weekly by 11 people? Yeah. No. Exactly. No one does. Um, so this is sort of a, we, we had to sort of reschedule because of our own schedules, but also you're now in Hawaii. So we're doing this remote. Um right. But also, I was going to plug, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, June 1st, on the very next day, Thursday, June 2nd at 8 p.m., is my comedy variety show, Thunder Punch, which is at the Skip Town Playhouse. You can go to thunderpunch.fun for tickets. And I was going to say, if you come tomorrow, guess who you're going to see play music? Well, I might. Well, first of all, I was screaming at my um, friend's dog that was at our house, and I lost my voice. (laughs) But... I could still potentially do it. Well, how long I just, uh, Missy now? was like, if I, if my plane lands early, I'm going to come. <laughs> it's just like, just do it next month. Like it's, it's, okay. it's, it's a lot to, uh, I also can't, can't really sing, but that's right. Cause you hurt joy. your voice as you, by yelling at this dog. Yeah. Our friend, we were dog sitting a friend's dog and it chased the cat. And I, we've we've had a few dogs that we've dog set that have chased the cat, and I started <laughs> screaming, and then I was screaming at that we's dad because I was just I think I was, you know, I think I was screaming about just the wor- things. About you know, the when world. you finally have an opportunity to scream, and you're like, well, I'm already screaming. I guess we'll just. Keep <laughs> and then I went in to go read books with Zoe, and I couldn't. I didn't have a voice left, and I was like, well, that was smart. That mm. felt worth it. And then you couldn't do the podcast. <laughs> and then I couldn't do the I mean, I could have done it, but I was like, oh my God, I was kind of like this. And I'm not much better today, but today feels a little better. Well, so yeah. you're, the, today is Tuesday, the day before we release this episode. When are you, are you shooting tomorrow? Yeah. So I, I came out to do an episode. Of, I actually auditioned to play the mother of the Doogie Kama Aloha. I can't remember her name. Um, because she's got like a white mom and a Hawaiian dad. Gotcha. And I did not get the part. I think I auditioned to play like a shaved ice vendor. (laughs) Okay. Shave ice, Hawaiian shave ice vendor. Anyway. Um, Well, the good news is, I mean, they called me to come in and play like, I'm like playing a hospital administrator. And I was like, I mean, it's not, it's not really, there's not a whole lot to do with the part, but I was like, sure. I'll come to Hawaii. And I came actually last week. And then somebody got 
and and then we actually did an episode of our show because I did one, two, I had three scenes. We did two of them, and then I was supposed to do the one the next day, but somebody got COVID, so I'm back. I have one line. They flew me back for one line. Wow, they couldn't just green or just like body double you, ADR it, uh, or option three, cut that scene. <laughs> I mean, I, don't know. I thought well, maybe they would cut it. Or, well, actually, they, they were planning on trying to make it work. I think they were trying to do, like, my side of the coverage. Before. Uh-huh. And then they were just like, forget it. It's also well, a, it's a Disney show. So they have, they got, they got clams. And they're not paying it, me. They're just, all they had to do was fly me and put me up. What? They're not, what do you mean they're not I paying I mean, they're not paying me any extra. Oh, to come do this, mm-hmm. this, this extra. I don't ever show. get paid. I work for free. <laughs> you, you work know, for poi finger dippings liquid. Poi, what is a poi finger dipping liquid? It's a thing they have in Hawaii. I've actually never been to Hawaii, even though I lived oh in Los God. Angeles for a while. Um, you know, I had I, I I have to drop a name really quick. I so, so talking, I would say I work for free. I worked with Johnny Depp. What twelve uh, years ago? I know. Hot take incoming. Incoming hot take. Hot cake. Hot take. But I remember um, I had read an article in the paper. Up like where Cher was like, it was about Cher. I mean, does anyone even know Cher? I mean, these are the, the, my cultural up-to-date references are Cher. Yes, people know who Cher is. Okay. Um, <laughs> and she was like, I mean, hey, we're all getting paid for something that we would do for free. And I re- I was doing Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, and I had to stand next to him all the time. Uh-huh. And um, so I would stand next to him because Tim Burton was like, just try to be as close to Johnny as possible, which I thought was pretty funny. I was like, okay. You mean physically close? Yeah, because my character and my daughter, like, we were always trying to win. Right. You're you're the mother of the uh, like ambitious one. Yeah, the one who turns into the blueberry. Is that Veruca Salt or is that someone else? Um, I don't know. Is it? (laughs) Are you saying like don't spoil? I don't know. Uh, Uh, No, it's uh, Violet Beauregard. Wait, you're in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, not Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory was when before I was born. I but. regret to inform you I've not seen Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Wow. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but I remember. So the, the, I will land the plane about this story is that I remember one day I was like, I mean, it's, I, <laughs> I was like, well, I mean, it, we're all getting paid for something that we would, we would ultimately do for free anyway. Right. I was like quoting Cher to Johnny Depp and he was like, mm, I don't know that I would. Right. I was like, Oh yeah, me too. And everybody's been fired at least once. He was like, "Not me." <laughs> oh, surely that's changed by now. Well, yeah. Uh, uh, let's call him. Well, hello, it's Johnny Depp from Pirates of the Wait Caribbean. Wait a minute. <laughs> um, You're just living in in Pirates of the Caribbean, Johnny. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'm going to this you're trial. From, like, I know that you're from, I think, Kentucky. Is he really? Oh, wait a minute. I mean, am I really? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I haven't followed that trial one bit. I have literally no idea what it's talking about. and But I, I don't trust anyone's public opinion about it. The only reason that I have, and I have, I've watched for about 15 minutes, maybe 30, is that I know someone, the girl I did it, I have a band with. Uh-huh. She... One of one of my bands. I have so many successful bands. It's hard to keep track of them. But um, my friend and I recorded out in the desert in Joshua Tree, and she ended up running this place called the Hicksville Trailer Palace. And he and Amber spent the night there once. Oh! And they rented the place out, and this was like 10, 10 years ago or something. Something. And she told me all about it the next day about how like how cool Johnny was, and my friend's a really really good musician, and so they were playing out by the fire and she's super like i mean and she she would call herself super dykey like she's you know Mm -hmm. has no interest in a male penis right um but she loved playing with johnny she's very good and i guess she's like come on amber you don't have to be jealous i'm a dyke you know um but they played for a long time and amber i guess said some stuff like the trailer palace they wrecked the play or he wrecked the place and i guess my friend was like what he didn't, they didn't do anything like that. So that's the only reason I know anything about it. Hmm. And then, so I'm basically, I should might as well be a 
member of the jury. Yes. <laughs> you might as well be a reporter for um, TMZ. Hey, speaking of which, uh, not of music. Yeah. When you, okay. You did not see Hades Town when it was in town, did you? I can't believe it. No, I didn't see it. Well, it will be back at Costa Mesa or uh, Orange County. Are you going to be in it? In Yeah, I'm going to be in it. In August. So I have, oh, actually, okay, I have two separate thoughts. One is we should go see Hades Town in August when it comes back. However, the other announcement I have to make is I'm not going to be able to. Why? Because I am pretty sure I'm going to back to Edinburgh Fringe this year. Ugh. Are we doing something together? All right. I, I, I mean, if you want to, it'd be easy to book something for you. But uh, I'm going back. I'm, be, I'm going to be doing Baby Wants Candy, the improv group I'm in. We have a separate show called Shamilton, which is an improvised Hamilton style musical. I uh, feel like but, nobody would do a better improvised Hamilton musical than me. Oh, I mean, <laughs> go ahead. Like, it's so hard. It's <laughs> like. Because I know not a lot of people listen to this. At, we're still building the audience, and and not a lot of people that listen to this will be in Edinburgh. But like, you know, I'm worried that you're going to hate every single bit of what we're talking about. What do you mean? Right now, because I can hear you out of my computer speaker. Oh no, no, it sounds fine to me. You sure? Yeah. Okay, good. Okay, I think it'll be fine, or it'll be horrible. <laughs> uh, people will just be driving down the just start immediately put like driving into you know what i think the microphone you have rejects sound from the computer side so i think we're it's an amazing microphone okay um so oh so not a lot of people that listen to this i think will be at edinburgh but they might maybe they'll do a caravan First to uh, across the ocean. <laughs> first, first stop will be Hades Town in Costa okay. Mesa, and then take a boat to Edinburgh. Is it Edinburgh or Edinburgh? It's Edinburgh. Oh. I, uh, I feel like, or or it's or it's Edinburgh. I've heard some Edinburgh. people say. I've heard some people say. Think of the phrase bread and butter, Edinburgh. Oh, that first of all, those last two. You sound like an asshole if that's how you pronounce it. Edinburgh? I say Edinburgh. Yeah. Edinburgh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you're a, if you're an American person, just pronounce it Edinburgh. Yeah. yeah. You mean oh, you mean as opposed to being like, I'm I'm going to Edinburgh. Or Edinburgh. Edinburgh. I don't mean um, food, but anyway, the Shambleton show is is going to be very it, I find very difficult. I will say. Why is it difficult? Because we get a suggestion of a historical figure and then we mm. try to improvise a musical as good as Hamilton about a historical figure. And we'll be doing it in Scotland, which means the suggestions are going to be like Michael Gove and Theresa May and people that we or like local quickly, British reality show people that we don't know anything about. Can you quickly Google Google them on your phone. You no, we. T- I I haven't done the show in a while. They they have it runs currently in Chicago, and I believe they do a little bit of an audience interview. Um, uh, to say okay. like, hey, okay. what Who are some things this, people what know, do you about? know about it? Yeah. Okay. Also gets the whole audience on board with sort of knowing the same. Uh, yeah, because they facts. don't fucking know what they don't either. Yeah, unless I mean, the Edinburghs. They know way more about our culture than we know about theirs. You know, Americans. So, uh, I will probably be going to do that, which is all of August. And at the same time, I'm going to be doing stand-up while I'm there. So, the whole reason I'm going is I have friends who are also doing a stand-up show. And we're sort of working together so that I can do maybe like three or four sets of stand-up a week for the month of August. And then I'm also going to try to get on other shows. So, if it was just the improv sets, honestly, I don't know that I would go because... It's a long time to be away from home, but if I get to do, you know, if I'm there and I get to do like 15 sets of stand-up in the month or more, it'll be if, worth it for let's me. Let's hear one of your favorite jokes. One of your favorite jokes? Mm-hmm. Uh, also, you look really skinny. What's going on? I have lost a little bit of weight. Look how young I look after I shaved. Look at me. I look just I like- you look a day under 62. Yeah, almost 50 years old, this body. It's kind of ridiculous. You easily look a whole decade younger than me. You're not. <laughs> I know, but it's actually not good for casting because, like, they 
I'll be submitted for characters that are like 45 to 50 that are like a dad. Yeah. And no, I just don't no look way. like what they want. No. And I'm you like, don't look you don't look like you're out of your 30s. Yeah, I know, but I also don't look like I'm in my 20s either for those parts. So No, uh, you look you're just a nebulous. You just look like a you almost look a little otherworldly. Like yes, I look like a hum- homunculus. <laughs> Uh, I did I about know, four I, years ago I audition for to play an 18 year old character in the live action Mulan. Did not get that part. To how many years ago? Like four or five years ago, and I was what like, a "Dick!" I was like, "Do you really want me to go out for this?" Because like, I was, I was like, "This, this is not." And they were like, "No, they want to see you." And I was like, "Okay." Well, here's the thing: when I Chris and I got out of school the same day, right. I, when I got an agent in New York, I had been in college that like two days before. And then I went to the agency that I ended up working with and they were like, they sent me to the like youth agency, the college. And they were like, Oh no, you don't, you don't look like you could be in college. I was like, I was in college like last week. <laughs> they were like, no, you're too. But what are they? Does that agency even exist anymore? Yeah. They do? Oh. <laughs> I thought they went out of business. I don't think so. I know friends of ours ended up with like Duva Flack, and I think they went out of business. Duva Flack? I think Maybe. they went out of business. It was all such folklore, wasn't it? No, but Paradigm, there's like some super rich brothers that started Paradigm. Oh. And they're still around, I think. Um. So, yeah. So, I'll, I'll be in Scotland. If we're listeners in Scotland, it'd be nice to see you there. I want oh, you to come visit. Yeah, let's hear a joke. Uh, what is one of some of the jokes I've written really? really say? Uh, that you enjoy. Oh, I mean, I enjoy, you know, like, um, you know, it's kind of, it's hard to be gay and Asian. Oh, because yeah. Because people are very racist, you know? <laughs> do you know? Do you know people, like, guys will put no Asians in their profile? No way. Yeah. And it's just weird because uh, they, they say it's, like, not racist. It's just a preference. And I'm like, it's definitely racist because if you if you look at me, a single Asian man, a, one Asian man, if you look at me and you're not attracted to me, that's fine. I mean, that's incorrect, but it's fine. Uh, okay, but if you extrapolate from that, that you're not attracted to all Asian men, that's racist because you're saying that we all kind of look the same. And we don't do that for white guys. Like nobody's like, um, you know, I don't need to see Brad Pitt. I've already seen Kid Rock. <sighs> Like, don't talk to me about George Clooney, okay? I don't need to see a picture of George Clooney. I've seen Mitch McConnell. Oh, okay. okay. See, and now this is a good example of why you shouldn't do stand-up jokes, not in a context of stand-up. I thought that. I thought. I just thought Kid Rock. Does anyone know who Kid Rock is anymore? Lots of people know who that joke fucking kills. Fucking kills it. Bumps. Uh, there is a. Th- Thing my friends talk about which is like you shouldn't do stand-up for less than i think it's like less than eight people mm-hmm. which is why people should go to thunderpunch.fun that's right grab Wait a, a minute, ticket dot fun what is a dot fun it's a domain <sighs> you're just tired of everything I I easy, this is one of these chill hawaii episodes this is like when Ugh, the, when i'm the, exhausted when the brady bunch went to hawaii this is like one of those episodes should i do the rest of the episode out on the lanai Oh, you have a lanai. Like it's a little too loud out there. So, was there no COVID screening anymore for Hawaii? You can just go and just you can just go. Huh? Okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, you can just come here. It's I'm at this hotel that does. They only have balconies on the fifth floor, and it's the only hotel that they'll let me stay at because I guess you know they have a deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wanted to. And to be able to, I mean, it's Hawaii. You want to be able to stick your head outside, but I'm right next to the pool. Question. Mm. Are they, is it, are they required or did they fly you business class? They did fly me business class. There's some kind of requirement, right? I think if you book a job through SAG and it used to always be business class, but it's, now it's a, it's a mileage. So like, okay. If you're going to from LA to Albuquerque, you may not, they may not have to, that then. I mean, I don't think that's ag, it's a requirement anymore. It used to be a requirement, but it is an actual requirement if they fly you anywhere over, I think, 1,500 miles. 
business guy. Because I, I, I did something where they flew me from LA to Columbus or Cincinnati or Cleveland, Ohio. And I flew business class and I was like, this is cool. On the other hand, I kind of would have liked to just fly coach and you give me the money. <laughs> yes. You know, I did get a ticket once on like United and it was a business class ticket and I traded it. It actually wasn't because they couldn't get me like one. But like I traded we've, it. we've only had seven episodes and we might have talked about this already. <laughs> but well, I ended you, up trading it and getting some money for it. I know. Oh, but I was actually thinking I might do that on my flight home. But it's so nice. What airline? I came out on United and they have like a they have like a lay flat bed. Uh, oh wow. I was like, what? It's, and it's like a, in the morning. But it's like a six hour flight, right? Five? It's a it's a five going out and like six coming back so not too bad we just did uh what was what was it to vietnam probably vietnam was we had to fly to to japan to tokyo and that's a 10 a 12 hour flight out wow and then uh, there was like a three or hour layover and then we uh had a four and a half hour flight to vietnam and then on the way home it was a four-hour flight to Tokyo, a 10-hour layover, and then oh. a 10-hour flight back. What'd you do for the 10 hours? There was, the, thank you for asking. There's like an inside, there's like a hotel, like a day, they have day rooms oh. inside the hotel that you rent by the hour. Uh-huh. So I think, so we, I went with my daughter to one and we slept for about six hours. Okay. And it's great. It's, it's literally just a very small hotel room with a fan, they like a fan and an air conditioning and Uh-oh. a clock and a little bathroom more nothing on effect. the walls no I, need, I need more sound effects as you tell the story no windows they had a fan fan and a you would hear the planes is this a espresso ma- machine <laughs> there was an espresso an espresso machine i had to make espressos for people while i was sleeping if someone <laughs> but other than that it well, was Crazy. I worked one day. I mean, tomorrow you're saying you said one line? I have one line tomorrow. What, yes. wait, what is the line? Let's do some text analysis. Oh, shit, I don't remember. <laughs> I, don't. Like to keep, I like to keep, I like to be on my, be on you my like toes. To I, so I, I want to say along those lines, I went to a commercial audition once with a guy and it was the thing where it was like, you know, two people with a scene. Right. And he didn't want to practice it before we went in but also he didn't want to even look at the lines and so because he was like i like to keep it fresh i was like and then he wasn't that good it it was just like (laughs) has he ever looked anything (laughs) i don't know but i was like i mean you're 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 cold reading it and it's not that good and like and also it's not a it was a scene where the two people are supposed to have like a like a rapport already like a rhythm to it you know each other you're friends yeah it was very uh I didn't think it was a good idea. I, in general, a lot of times I think actors will sort of come up with reasons to like not work on stuff and be like, you know, it's just, I had a friend who, you know, basically got an invitation to go to a pretty good like industry showcase mm-hmm. of performing like um, scripted characters. And I remember they were like, you know, I don't want to rehearse it too much. I don't want to get it too... Um, you know, I want it to still be live and fresh or whatever. And I just remember thinking like, yeah, but you could also be improving the script and seeing what works and doesn't. And of course, and and nothing happened from that showcase, by the way. But you are also an improviser and you know, like the rush of something that's absolutely fresh. Obviously you're not saying other people's lines necessarily, but you know what I'm saying? I, 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 I like it for, I think it depends on what it is. Like, I think for an improv show, see, my, see my, uh, what I like about improv and what I think people like about it in the shows that I do uh, is that I actually think people are going to watch the, not the quality of the improvised material, but they go to watch the actors trying to do it. Like, like the fun of it is seeing the tightrope walk of like, can they actually do this what happens when things go wrong as opposed to like we wrote down everything you improvised and it was so brilliant just like this podcast 
So what are like, what are your three, what are like one or two or three tips you have for an or to, 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 to walk the tightrope and not fall off? Ooh, an improv? Oh, boy. You gave me a tip once that was so good because I was doing an improv pilot. Oh, what was it? I don't remember. You don't remember the I, tip? No. Just the tip. <laughs> just the tip. It was, but I remember being so good. I, I can kind of remember because it was like, don't worry about making a joke. It was like, if, if the suggestion is something, don't worry about anything jokey. Just just try to like, I think it was about baseball or something. Like you just really like come up with things about. Like specifics about that. I mean, yeah, that but is you a- were like, don't, whatever you, don't make a joke. Just don't worry about any kind of joke. Just come up with the specifics about the thing. Well, something I don't know. That I was- totally disagree with that. Now, no, I don't know. I mean, that is a that is a thing people say about improv. I, this is what I would say about improv. Okay, is I do think when people get the suggestion, they go into their heads about like, what am I going to say about toothpaste or whatever? And I think that you should get in the habit of you just go out there and see what happens. And the more you do that, where it's fun, it turns out to be fun, or you didn't die. You didn't, you, the audience didn't throw tomatoes at you or whatever. Your body yeah, starts- stop. There's a tomatoes shop, a stand outside, yeah. kind of like at a petting zoo. Yeah. <laughs> they have little pellets for the animals. They have tomatoes. Right. Um, the more your body gets used to the fact that you can just go out there with literally nothing except the one suggestion and connect with your scene partner and it's fun, that gets addictive in and of itself. Just the ability to be like, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm a, I, the the where you start getting attracted to the blank mystery unknown part of it because most i would say bad improv is the improvisers protecting themselves from that moment Mm. it's all this other bullshit that people put up to like so they don't look bad i i think part of it is also just you know none of it matters (laughs) nothing matters chris you know we've both had enough tragedy in our lives to realize that like a fucking improv show does not matter at all. And I think that is a good, healthy way to approach it. <laughs> I will say I loved improv for a hot second, but I've done, it's been so long since I've done it that I'm too afraid to even try it. Oh, I mean, I would try it. I would try it on, in, on camera and I do I'm, uh, over and over again, but like, yeah, in fact, most people are like, no please stick to the audience. Tomorrow you're going to be like, I've got some ideas. <laughs> yeah, like, well, some what, people like it and other people don't. Tomorrow you're gonna be like, "That's great, Doogie," but this hospital is full of zombies, <laughs> and just try to introduce some plot plot elements. Oh my god, to keep them coming, just yeah. keep them coming. God, I wish this was a live show, and I'd be like, "If you send me a line, I'll say it, and if it gets in the show, I will give you seventy five dollars." Are you, is your character a tough cookie? She sure is. Uh-huh. She's a hospital. She's at the board. Is she concerned with the budget? Yes. Uh-huh. Very concerned with the budget. Boy, I'm just nailing this prediction. You here. really, you know exactly who she is. Ms. Crawford is her name. This is like a, if it wasn't you, it'd be like a Wendy Malick type character. That's a very good, uh, that's very, yes. I love Wendy Malick. She's I one love, of yes, Although she's nobody great. under the age of 40 knows who Wendy Malick is. Really? I mean, nobody under Let's the age of 40 knows who, who we are. <laughs> So true. I mean, people under the age of forty are they? I don't want to brag though. I got I got a hardcore rec. I got hardcore recognized at the Walmart in Honolulu today. Hey, what did now? What did they say? This guy came came walked by me. He walked by and then he backpedaled and he was like, (laughs) "I know who you are. You're famous. Uh, You're uh, you're super famous." And I was like, "Congratulations, sir." (laughs) Did did he say your name? No, he didn't say my name. No, he doesn't really know who I am. <laughs> but I think people, you know, I noticed like 15 years ago when everyone started having a phone that they would, God, I've been doing this for so long, that they would come back with my name because they could put in the yes. name of the movie and see the cast list. And then I w- say, that's her, that's her name. You know what I would have loved? If that what? guy at the Walmart in Honolulu was like, you know, I know who you are. I saw you in the Libertine at Steppenwolf. (laughs) 
That would have blown your I mind. I saw you in Camino Real at North Carolina School of the Arts. I saw you in Ruthless in Galveston, Texas. <laughs> I saw you in Dean 2, the competition at the Germantown Baptist Church. Uh, you did a musical in junior high. Or Young Abe Lincoln. <laughs> I'm very impressed that you know my summer stock as well as you do. I don't know why I know. Well, I saw Ruthless because I lived in Houston. Lived so in I Houston. went down to, to see it. Young I, enjoy, I enjoyed Ruthless. It's a, it was oh, a good show. I also saw 99 Onianta. Oh, 900 Onianta? 900 what? Onianta. You, didn't, you saw it in New York, though, right? I must have, yeah. We shut down Circle Rep. <laughs> oh, really? The very last show. Uh, 900 the reviews Onianta. were so, so bad. It, like, it was comical bad. I mean, like, yeah, the kind of reviews where you're like, it wasn't that bad, was it? No, I. You know what's funny is I think that Nine Hundred Oneonta, which is a play that Missy was in back in the day, I remember that uh, an actor named Michelle Hurd was in it. That's because right. She was also on TV like pretty soon afterwards. Michelle Hurd was on it. Also, also the guy who played Ducky. Oh, and in, you played a character in, named Burnin Jewel. Burnin Jewel. The guy who played Duck, John uh, Cryer was in it. Before oh. he did Two and a Half Men, when he was just ducky in, was it The Breakfast Club or 16 Candles? I can't remember. Um, yeah. I mean, this show, this play had won or been nominated, I think, for like, it started out in the UK and it was nominated. And of course, it's a Southern Gothic play, mm-hmm. of the Southern family. And it was nominated for like Olivier Awards. And then it came to <laughs> Circle Rep and got, I mean, sh- Destroyed. Well, what is interesting about that play is, is that I feel like that play is not that different from like August Osage County. No. But August Osage County was like the darling of everything. I know. I think it has to, I mean, I do think there's something, it has something to do with the writer. I think people did, his name is David Beard. I think, I don't know what, what happened. Because I don't think it was that bad. You know what? Next episode, we'll dig up some old reviews. Uh, speaking That's of David strange. David Beard, I just Googled it. Passed away in 2019. Fuck, really? So, yeah. And he, he, found, uh, he founded a theater in Sherman Oaks, California. What was it called? The That's where I live. White, White Fire Theater. Aw. I know him very well. Lived in his house the summer I came out for, or the spring I came out for pilot season. I stayed at his house. Oh, wow. Oh, man. Well, rest I'm in peace, sad David to hear that. And uh, you know what? We're going to revive Bye. 900 Oneonta. Let's do it. Let's do it at, in rotating rep with um, Shamilton. Wait, did I talk last week? Yes, we should. Gosh, that would be a great duo. Did I talk last week about the London... How you get money for theater in London? I don't think so. Okay, so the the uh, this is I, I do want to say this that I think would be a good goal for us on this podcast and for mm-hmm. people listening and all that. Which is, I think, in America to make money. I, I no, I, I not to make, make money. a lot. I think we're. I'm already making so much money on this. Podcast. I think we should be making more theater regularly. Oh, we talked about how L.A. in L.A. there isn't any theater, but like, but but in America, I think people we like we should be just getting a little space and doing a reading or whatever or renting a theater and putting up a little play or something like that. It's like not that expensive. When I got back, I met people in London and I've met people in London or South Africa or lots of places that aren't America that are places where people just make theater just more consistently. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I had breakfast with a guy over there who is an American living in London. He's an Asian American. So he, he ticks off a certain box of like being a diverse theater creator. Right. But he was just doing a reading of a play at Uh a workshop night. So you just bring in three actors. You're doing, they're reading out of books, 15 minutes of a play he wrote. Okay. He got an arts grant for a thousand pounds for that. And a thousand, just so everybody's clear, a thousand pounds is, is one million US dollars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's how the conversion works. But I guess the thing is, like, I, we have a lot of people in LA who, who either have done theater or we have, 
there's lots of actors here. Like we're not we're not making enough stuff in between the times that we're waiting for jobs. I mean, some of us are always going to Asian parts of the country every week to shoot one line of. Listen, I mean, I, I do what I can. <laughs> well, here's the thing, though. I think I know I did a lot of that when I got out of school in my 20s. I mean, we did found a peanut. I didn't do that. You think I did it, but I didn't do it. It was you and some other people. Yeah, I think you came and saw it, though, didn't you? <sighs> I was too busy doing blow and just kidding. Well, I, didn't, we get- I didn't even start doing blow until my 30s. I only did it three times. Oh, uh, also, fun fact, I went to Salt Lake City last week to do some comedy, and somebody gave me some mushroom capsules. Ooh, did so you I microdose? Haven't, I haven't done it yet. I just have a bad oh, Can we do the microdosing episode where we microdose oh. mushrooms together? That'd be great. Sure. That'd be but so- wait, what does the microdosing do? Well, that's what the capsules are, right? Microdosing. Yeah, well, I guess, but you're saying, like, you don't, you're not doing enough to, like, have a full-on trip. You're just, like, kind of... Oh, well, listen, I'll do microdosing or a full-on trip with you. <laughs> the other thing is that my, my friend who gave them to me, uh, and I don't know if I should be talking about this on a podcast, but he Seems told me like how- a terrible idea, but let's go ahead. He told me how to grow them. So I'm going to maybe try oh to- Oh my God, them. let's do that as we're doing we're doing them. We'll, we'll give a t- tutorial. We could even make it a, a very special uh, freelance pretend where we have a video alongside, but we're, we're actually planting the mushrooms. While Apparently they're quite easy. There's a Sounds thing called, wonderful. There's a thing called Uncle Ben's Tech, which is oh, you grow them in bags right. of Uncle Ben's instant rice. Come on. So. This is uh, the best uh, acting, non-acting podcast I've ever been a part of. Well, but like, it, look, look, if you if Missy Pyle ever has another another acting drought, which probably is not going to happen. But let's I just, don't have a job after this. Okay. Let's say there's some there's some six week period where neither of us has an acting job. Mm-hmm. Why aren't we doing like a reading of Cloud Nine? <laughs> Let's do it. I mean, I, I have there's a lot of reasons, and they are all um, they're all just you know what happens as you go about getting jaded and you start to do it, but then somebody is busy or this person can't make it because they got a job and then da, 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 da. I mean. It's it's a little easier said than done, but if you just say like five or six people show up and we're going to read a play tonight, yeah, and then whoever shows up, if some such can't come, then it doesn't matter. I mean, you could do those things. <laughs> me, children, my child is a, is a bigger thing. But I, I mean, think- we we have her be one of the characters in Cloud Nine. There's a child character that you played. I would love that. it. First, she, well, she can't read, but um, she could just you know start screaming. The, but but she can project. She can project. Which you know what you she need. does? She does a pretty. She does um, know most of the words to Katy Perry's "Roar," so she could just do that Very when it's the child's chance to, to speak. Right. So all of the scenes where there's like a, a very uncomfortable scenes between the adults and that character, yeah. <laughs> instead we'll have her just sing "Roar" by Katy Perry. Yes. I, I listen. I think it's a wonderful idea. I like the idea of it. I think that the reason it doesn't happen is just that, first of all, I don't think people even know new plays. I think plays are kind of, kind of, a bit out. You know, like you said, people aren't really into it. I think though, if you were to, I don't know. I you you have to have your your own little group of actors. Yeah. Um, well, I guess what I'm saying is I'm going to start doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you start doing it and I'll come. Well, because, you know, I, I will say that something that I've realized, I mean, I should have realized this a while ago living in Los Angeles, but um, I, I literally only realized this for myself in the last like 10 days, five days even, no. is that, I, I, okay, there's definitely a part of me that doesn't want to be like, oh, I have to start my own project, provide all the funding, provide all the energy provide all like i really want to like work with someone that can also take some of the load and all that kind of stuff right but honestly in this business it's kind of like people don't want to do that they want to have you they want to like catch on to your momentum yeah they don't want to have to like generate their own right so i mean the the thing is like it's funny because you were like well i mean i guess we could do it if people 
are like, well, it doesn't matter if they show up or whatever. But there's also a part of like theater that's like, it's important when the people show up. Um, like there's a, there is a certain, it theater's probably a little better when the people are like very committed to it. And I, that is a challenge in Los Angeles because I've seen plenty of plays here where it's like completely double cast because, you know, there's two actors for every role because people are just like, oh, I can't make it. Or they bo- le- legitimately book a job. Yeah. Um, so that does make theater in general harder here, I think. It's also incredibly spread out. Incredibly yeah. spread out. I mean, you know, you have you living in Pasadena and Tori lives in Venice and I live yes. in Sherman Oaks and somebody lives in Marina Del Rey. And right. Somebody, I mean, it's very hard and there's no public transportation here. It just sucks. But it sounds like you just pitched a theater company with me, you and Tori Spelling, which I do think would work. I think so too. Let's get it going. I oh. know Tori sort of. Do you? Her, her ex-husband was my level full was one of my improv teachers in at New Groundlings. York. Oh, in New York. Yeah, at the um for, before I did Groundlings, I did the Groundlings East, which was also called Gotham was, City. Was that Gary Austin? Maybe. No, why don't you look up Tori Spelling's first husband? And I'll tell you who it is. Charlie Shanayan. Charlie Shanayan. I want to say Charlie, he was either my level one or my level four, because I did level one to four there. Then I moved to LA to, I tried to transfer to the Groundlings. Like, You're going to start back at level one. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> they really, they were just like, no, no transfer. And then I was like, well, fuck you guys. And then like two years later, I was like, all right, I'll do it. And then I did level one and level two. And then there was a two-year wait. No, a year wait for level three. And then a two-year wait for level four. And by the time I got to level four, I was already like working as an actor. So I kind of was like, well. Well, if people want to Google, they can Google this March 2007 People Magazine article called Tori Spelling's ex recalls painful breakup. They were only married for 15 months. But Tori Spelling's first husband, Charlie Shanayan, remembers every last detail painfully. Recounting what it is to be a, quote, modern-day cuckold, quote-unquote, a married man whose wife strays for the April issue of GQ. The writer-actor says at the time his marriage dissolved, it wasn't until he picked up a copy of People, in which Spelling had divulged her side of the story, he discovered what had gone wrong. That's, I love this. And you well, know let me guy. tell you what ha- what I, this is, ugh, let me tell you what. So I knew that they had gotten together because I saw her at a premiere for something, and we got in an elevator, and she was with him. She and I were both in this movie called Trick. And Trick? Everyone, all the gays love that. Yes. I was supposed to play. I was auditioning for her part, but they gave it to her. Um, and she farted in the elevator. I thought that was very funny. It was, it was just, <laughs> she was like, oops, sorry, I farted. And, um, and then my friend Brooke and I used to run for marathon. We were training for marathon. So like maybe it was a year later, she and I were running and we would run to the pier and then we would run like up the up the you know ocean avenue and then we'd go up um, san vicente and we'd come back and we came back over by shutters on the beach for whatever reason we were right we'd gotten kind of lost we were trying to get somewhere and there was this parked car like so random there was a parked car on the side of the road and there was these two people inside making out and i looked over and one of them was tori spelling and it was not charlie shania and she was making out with oh. and i was like oh my god i mean i literally out of nowhere, like one in a million chance ran past her making out with Charlie, with this other guy, I guess the guy she's married Whoa. to now. Hot gossip, Is 20 years funny? late. <laughs> at I mean, at least. We're, we're Okay, so we're going to wrap up this episode, but just look forward to future episodes where we're going to do 20, 15 Hot. to 30 year old gossip. <laughs> we're going to talk about Topic. the talk show host that Missy made out with in the back of a taxi. Did I talk about that? You've told me about it. I'm just saying. Oh, all right. <laughs> the uh, I can't reveal the name. Uh, his name rhymes with. Um, what does the name of his show rhyme with? Bog boop. <laughs> Bulk boop. Um. So please come to see uh, Thunder Punch, even though Missy will not be there. I'm telling Missy to not be there. I don't want her to rush from the airport. Well, maybe I'll just come by. Where is it? Where is it going to be? What's the East address? East Hollywood. I'll text you the address. Yeah, come by. Why don't you tell everybody the address right now? It's at Skiptown Playhouse. 
665 North Heliotrope Drive in East oh Hollywood. God. East. Where's East Hollywood? It's where like, I live. 90004. Is East Hollywood considered like Silver Lake? Uh, you know what's funny is where I live on certain maps, they'll be like, you're in Silver Lake. We definitely are not in Silver Lake. I've never even heard of East Hollywood. <laughs> it doesn't exist. <laughs> did you make this? Did you make up East Hollywood? Just East Hollywood Silver is just above Koreatown. Okay. And it's just west of Silver Lake. So right. it's just south of like where UCB is, essentially, or <sighs> was. Tomorrow. No, the other next night. Well, it's going out. This episode's going out on Wednesday, and it's on Thursday night at eight o'clock. Thunderpunch.fun, even though Missy doesn't believe that's an actual domain. Dot fun. Thunderpunch.fun. It's just, it sounds fun to say it though. I mean, if I could have gotten thunderpunch.com, I would, well, but I didn't want to do thunderpunch.edu. So I went with okay, fun so instead. By the way, for this episode, I have been missing the Hawaiian sunset, which is why everyone comes here. So I'm going to take you outside. Okay. This is going to be great. We're going to go out on the balcony. You're going to hear. There's all the people at the pool. Oh. There's the. Wow, that's the ocean. nice. Look at that. Oh, now Missy's going to jump from the balcony into the water. And that's going to be the end of the, the episode. Maybe my, my computer will just go off into the. All right. Ta-ta right. for now. Ta-ta for now. Uh, have a good time tomorrow. Uh, just, you know what? Let loose with that one line you've got. Just really just go, just go crazy with it. Just do, right. a, do some weird accent. And uh, we'll see you next week. Always. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> You've been listening to Freelance Pretend with Missy Pyle and Chris Grace. This show is a production of Invisible Treats, and today's episode was edited by Eric Michaud. The intro music is Happy Guitars by Ilya Truhanov, with vocals by Chris Grace. And the outro music is Cabana by Peter Spacey, both courtesy of Artlist.io. You can reach us on email at freelancepretend at gmail.com, and we'll see you next time.